Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Wow, they said we were gone. We we told everyone we're taking a break. They said we were <laughs> that, gone because we explicitly told them we were. <laughs> but we're back. We're back because film franchise Fortnite is not dead. Richard, welcome back, everybody, to film franchise Fortnite on the Cold Popshire podcast. Mm. This is a podcast uh, where Richard and myself, AJ, for the last half a decade, have been covering... Uh, and watching and discussing different film franchises mm-hmm. um, and for what we realized well after choosing the subject for this episode uh, could be seen as our first Easter special considering <laughs> this is the the last film franchise fortnights that will come out before Easter Sunday um, we are going to be covering the four films in the faith-based pure flick series gods not dead um so now we can officially say that we've covered every franchise from godzilla to godfather to gods not dead i'm printing it on shirts i'm putting it on our facebook banner like we can now have that as our selling point it'll be like godzilla's not dead father (laughs) in like a mess mashup of fonts um someone photoshopped there i expect this with the, the podcast get, gets posted at midnight new zealand time mm-hmm. i expect that photoshopped by 1 a.m new zealand time would it not be more of a richard style joke to remove the word god from the combination phrase right so it's like zilla father's not dead <laughs> father zilla's not dead yeah like, <laughs> like it's like the entire reason we're, we're throwing them together has been removed um if you the audience uh if you if you the people if we the people uh have uh, never We're heard all of this we the people <laughs> we are we the people if you've never heard of this franchise uh you may be wondering why we're delving into the cheaply made and almost exclusively terrible realm of christian movie franchises because as a podcast we predominantly cover franchises in the mainstream it's very rare that we'll like consider doing anything that isn't like you know, known by most people, mm. um, uh, or you know, outside of of a specific niche. But there's something special about God's Not Dead and its three sequels: uh, God's Not Dead Two, God's Not Dead: A Light in Darkness, and God's Not Dead: We the People. In that, these movies have been criticised over the years for being so mind-numbingly terrible, uh, flagrantly offensive, obtusely self-important, frustratingly ignorant, and unintentionally hilarious with a persecution complex so visceral the film transcends the invisible to the mainstream world of christian media and is often listed amongst some of the best so bad it's good movies 
ever made. Mm. Um, this franchise is to faith-based media what something like Gangnam Style was to K-pop or Squid Game was to Korean dramas. The fact that they're both Korean is a coincidence, and I'm not speaking that on quality, more just that it's, it's well, the, media like, like from a niche. The BTS of K-pop. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's I guess you use Gangnam Style as an example. Yeah, well, <laughs> what's a better example? What do you think? Like, media that... Uh, is has broken forth from its niche into the zeitgeist. Well, yeah, it's like I'm glad you've heard of it, but it's probably not the one I'm proudest of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in many ways, you could call God's Not Dead outsider art. You know, mm. like non-mainstream artistic endeavors um, that that have a very specific message. Uh, that they're trying to put across to the world. Now, God's Not Dead has been covered by dozens of other podcasts before, but perhaps what gives our show, what gives Cole Popsher a potentially unique perspective is that I grew up pretty Christian uh, before leaving the church when I was in my early 20s. Um, I'd never seen these movies before uh, watching them for the podcast, but I did grow up feeling conflicted and being unable to marry my love for film with faith-based movies, which are always... So garbage, Richard. Mm. These are some of the better ones. To get What's your favourite face-based movie? Face-based? Face <laughs> that would be on The Dark Knight. <laughs> Two-Face. <laughs> <laughs> so, as is the case uh, with a lot of ex-Christians such as myself as well, I harbour a lot of resentment and have several personal hang-ups and various collections of baggage with the religion, uh, many of which will probably fuel the fire with which I judge these movies. Would you like to share maybe a little context for your standing in the world of faith and Christianity. And yeah, it's interesting because I know, I sort of know somewhat just from talking during the week, our relationship with these films. And I feel like I'm going to come across as a lot more sympathetic. But when it comes to the idea of religion, like I probably think religion is stupider than you do. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've I've never been religious. I understand why people are religious. And I think that religion as a concept is fascinating. Mm. But I've... Yeah, it's not even something I necessarily would define myself as like an atheist or an agnostic or, or mm. anything like that. It's just... I I don't see the need to define my relationship with God or or a lack thereof because it's not something I've ever really thought about. Like there was never a time in my life where I felt a void that I thought only religion could fill. There was a time when I was a kid, I asked my mum, "Hey, are we religious?" And she said, "Do you want to be?" And I said, "I don't know." And that was kind of my experience with religion. There was a brief period of time where I applied for a Catholic school that was, you know, you had to like interview for it and stuff like that. Mm. And yeah, I, I sort of was willing to commit to learning Catholicism and pretending to be Catholic. Because I think because my mom was raised Catholic that we, right. I was, you know, through that I was able to to be considered somewhat catholic enough to get an interview but, but it's yeah. like race like your race your ethnicity yeah <laughs> um yeah well that, that is that is really interesting i think that um 
what what is unique about gods not dead as well in the context of all this is that when the first one came out the 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 kind of joke about it was like this is just as offensive to atheists as it is to christians like so many christians and we'll get to some opinions later in the episode absolutely hate these movies um and being an ex-christian i hate them uh but i can tell you with full assurance if i were still christian or if i'd seen these when i was christian i would still very much hate them so this <laughs> is not um you know that 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 part of me hasn't changed i think i could still see things that i detest in these movies that would have still bothered me when i was a believer uh yeah so the first film in the series is called God's Not Dead. I know you. Th- I know you're thinking he is dead. Well, Richard, yeah, it's, it's called actually... God's Dead, isn't it? That's the title <laughs> no. that comes up on screen. No, but then it very quickly says "Not" before you can take a photo of it saying "God's Dead" and upload it to your Instagram. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> Which sounds I did. like something you might have done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was directed by a, a guy named Harold Cronk, which is a very fun name. The Cronkman. The, the Cronkman. <laughs> Pull the lever, Cronk. And by the <laughs> lever, I mean direct this film. Um, it's based on a book called "God's Not Dead: Evidence for God in an Age of Uncertainty" by Pastor Rice Brook. Um, and it's also presumably based on the song God's Not Dead by a Christian mum rock band, the Newsboys, whom I've seen perform uh, live. And it is also not based on, but a poorly understood rebuttal to the Nietzsche idea that God is dead. Yeah, and, and also it's interesting because the God's Not Dead song that you said, you know, you saw these guys live, I, I was mm. completely unfamiliar with the song until 10 days ago. Mm. When you t- you told me, oh, it's a song and the guys are in the movie. Because for the last fucking, how long have we known each other? Like <laughs> the last, the last like six years of this podcast, at least. Whenever God's Not Dead has come up, you've said he is surely alive. And I just assumed, I always assumed this was scripture and that you were quoting uh, like, the Bible to me. But <laughs> like, no, it was... Uh, pe- Peace be with you and also with you. <laughs> yeah, and like people uh, people on the Discord have, have referenced God's Not Dead. He is surely alive. And then just recently in the last couple of weeks when we when we decided we were going to do God's Not Dead, you started adding some shit about a lion. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this is definitely scripture then. <laughs> God is not dead. He is surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. Um, uh, the the Newsboys are the band that, that performed the song. Um, they also have... Oh, they, so there's two bands. There's Newsboys and DC Talk. And the I think Newsboys used to have a different lead singer, but now the lead singer of DC Talk is the lead singer of Newsboys. And so they have a collection of very famous, very memeable Christian rock songs, including things like um, one called Breakfast in Hell, which is like... It it sings about Captain Crunch and the the, the hook line in the chorus is... um, when the big one finds you, let the song remind you that they don't serve breakfast in hell. So of all the reasons to become Christian, uh, the lack of breakfast. Well, they would certainly convert Walt Jr. <laughs> um, they, DC Talk also have a very famous Christian song I remember from back in the day called Jesus Freak, uh, in which the chorus proudly proclaims, uh, people say I'm strange, does that make me a stranger? My best friend was born in a manger. Uh, you've, to- you've told me that lyric before. 
I remember, yeah, when we when we sort of first started the podcast, when you were still very religious. I was not very religious, for the record. We started this podcast in 2016, which is when I would have probably still said I was Christian, but was in a a steep decline in the past couple of years. Uh, yeah. I haven't been a practicing Christian since when this movie came out in 2014. Uh, yeah, well, because you, you you stopped practicing because you perfected it. <laughs> I'd perfected Christianity, yeah. much like these movies did. Um, what do you think God's Not Dead has on Rotten Tomatoes? It'd be low double digits. Mm. It, it's interesting. It's got a 12% critic score, but it does have a very different audience score. <laughs> Would you like to guess what that 100%. audience score is? Uh, 75%, but there is one of... I'll give you a little a little sizzle. One of these movies has a 100% audience <laughs> score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, which is funny because I looked at some of the audience reviews and I could still only find bad ones. Like so The first review was like, utter filth, this should be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and can you tell me, this might be a bit of a difficult question, but can you tell me what the movie's about? It's got it's a series of converging storylines. It's love actually or crash reminiscent. Mm. Um, atheism actually. God actually is dead. It <laughs> <laughs> like, um, st- yeah. starts with Hugh Grant at the airport. If you look around, you'll see that God <laughs> actually is dead. Which is what Nietzsche was saying, that, <laughs> that this movie misinterprets as being like a literal statement. <laughs> yeah, so this guy, our main character, Josh, starts, he's, he's His Christian, name is obviously. Josh Wheaton, which sounds very close to Josh Whedon, yet another reason why these movies are cancelable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he starts uh, at college and enrolls in a philosophy class taught by Professor Jeffrey Radisson, who mm. is an atheist or is he we'll, we'll, we'll get to that and, and he's played i will by, get to it uh, <laughs> played by kevin sorbo from uh hercules he's the guy that says disappointed if you've seen that yes clip. and he also uh very loud and proud uh conservative trump supporter yeah one of these years. one of these you know the the uh, mask mandates are nazi germany kind of guys yeah yeah, yeah but anyway yeah. so in his philosophy class he talks about yeah, nietzsche's idea god is dead and he demands that his students write on a piece of paper and sign it saying god is dead and josh is the only one who refuses and then he the the professor radisson says all right you get three classes that you get to teach you're going to give us three lectures to prove to us that god is not dead otherwise i'm going to fail you and the students will the rest of the students will decide the winner in the first two debates, Radisson trounces him. Smokes him. Smokes him. <laughs> but then in the last one, he says, Josh says to Radisson, why do you hate God? And he breaks down, revealing that he's not an atheist. He's a, a misotheist, meaning he <laughs> believes in God, but resents God, mm. which we'll get to it. It's actually kind of an interesting character choice. Yeah, this is he hates God because his mum died, and that you know how can someone who was all good do this? Meanwhile, as well, one of the other sort of converging storylines, we have a character called Reverend Dave, <laughs> who's like a cool youth pastor uh, who plays the. He's like the pastor. They've got like a, a the local church for the university essentially, mm. and Josh confides in him about his his spirituality and stuff and and what he's going through, but <laughs> yeah, so. Josh 
eventually the the rest of the class agrees that god is not dead and mm. they all go to a newsboys concert and they're celebrating and radisson is like oh i'm gonna reconcile with my wife and he and he runs who's, who's christian his, his, his Christ, wife yeah, is, yeah. Well, his girlfriend mina is christian um who wants to break up with him uh and, and he runs to go tell her and he gets hit by a car and is dying in the middle of the street and uh reverend dave comes up to him and is like listen the reason you're not you didn't die immediately is so that you have a chance to let jesus back into your heart <laughs> and then he's like i believe and then he dies <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and also Dean Cain is in the movie as like an yep. atheist businessman who's mm. more of a he's he's a less sort of like he's a less complex character than Kevin Sorbo's character. Yeah, like yeah. when you talk about the sort of the atheist straw man, I think Kevin Sorbo is at the start is a lot like the evil one, but then it sort of gets into at the end. It's like all atheists don't actually like just disagree with god whereas yeah. like dean kane's character is a lot more like he's the evil businessman and his storyline is like almost completely removed nothing and unresolved <laughs> yeah, nothing it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, so dean kane's character's name is mark he is the brother of mina who is kevin sorbo's secret christian girlfriend um he uh refu- his storyline is basically he refuses to see his elderly mother who is dying of dementia and when he does finally see her she delivers some kind of monologue which makes mm. him think about his life um mm. and then there's, oh, there's also, also um yeah there's also like a, a muslim character in josh's yep. class uh who, named aisha and she wants to convert to christianity but her father uh won't let her and well, so, doesn't know and when he finds out when he, he finds beats out he, her up yeah he <laughs> beats the shit out of her and <laughs> disowns her and finally uh dean kane's character's mark uh, mark his girlfriend's name is amy who is a left-wing blogger who finds out she has cancer these right. are the chess pieces on which we move mm. our story forward our game of chess with our players i should have said and it's a stage that's a much better mm. um comparison a god's not dead is our second shane harper franchise he plays josh wheaton in this film and he also briefly appeared as a principal dancer in high school musical 2 so there's our lone connection to any other franchises (laughs) richard what did you think of this film what did you think of it okay so again like i said i'm gonna come across as sympathetic i think to these films more so than you and Mm -hmm. this isn't to say i liked the film i didn't however i think I, I sort of committed to meeting at least the first film on its own terms, knowing and kind of assuming that they would get worse, especially when the last one is called We the People. It has the mm. main, this poster has the silhouette of a character standing in front of the Washington Monument. It came out in 2021. It's like, take a fucking wild guess what this is going to be about. <laughs> but the. The so God's not dead. I was like, okay, I want to actually like try and appreciate this film for what it is trying to be, mm. and then, and so I was like, it was one classic, you know, movie where I'm like, this isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. And to me, the idea of a student being told to do something in their class and saying, I it goes against what I believe to do that, and then the okay you present three lectures to the class and 
try and convince the class of your belief like it's it's 12 angry men essentially mm-hmm. and you know like like converting the unconvertible and just and, as good <laughs> but but it, it is like th- that's an interesting plot it's fun to sure. follow a character who's so is so steadfast in their beliefs that is able to convince someone who's uh, denying their beliefs and yeah and so it's like it, it's a bad movie don't get me wrong but mm. For what it's trying to be, I think this d- does it a lot better than certainly three and four do. Right, and I, th- I actually thought I thought Kevin Sorbo like actually played his character pretty well. I, I that's the <laughs> nice thing I can say about this film is I actually thought Kevin Sorbo was pretty good in yeah. this movie. Um, and all the films in the series have this fun little quirk where they include like common atheist talking points. Like it's clearly the writers have like googled like what do atheists always say, or even just mm. from experience, what have what have atheists always said to me when I've debated them? Um, and so they include them in the dialogue, but when they include them in the dialogue, they end up being far more. Convinced convincing and compelling arguments mm. than anything any of the christians <laughs> say in the movie like yeah, you message one me line, about yeah when kevin sorbo says that god was a useful fairy tale to mm. uh, to explain the unexplainable you know mm. thousands of years ago or mm. you know, hundreds of years ago that things like earthquakes lightning stuff yeah, that yeah. we didn't know the scientific explanations for it was easier back then to attribute it to uh uh you know benevolent god but yeah yeah, and i was like that's that's an argument i've never really like i haven't Mm. heard that explanation of of why the the myth of god Mm. was created and i was like yeah that's a that's a fucking good point (laughs) thank you god's not dead for compared to when um when before they have their official like showdown they're they're having a private argument and um professor radisson is like I, I begged God to save my mother. And Josh goes, sometimes God's answer is no. And like, we're just supposed to be like, oh, cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's fine. Oh, your mum was actually a horrible person. Kevin <laughs> <laughs> um, the film also has a cameo from one uh, Willie Robertson, the host of duck hunting reality show, Duck Dynasty, um, who uses his cameo to not only preach his Christian faith, but also justify why he thinks it's okay to eat meat. Here's a confrontation with the with Amy, the liberal vlogger. Um, and I thought this was hilarious that it, as it tosses like the not even inherently Christian idea or anti-christian idea of vegetarianism onto the pile like of all the things this movie is condemning it also condemns vegetarianism for some reason even though you could make the whole movie and not even broach that subject um and it's just it's just really embarrassing because he basically is given a platform in the movie where we all have to sit and just listen to him talk about how he respects the ducks that he shoots and all this weird stuff yeah it's reminiscent of the first episode of film franchise fortnights where we discussed lethal weapon and the Mm -hmm. moment in lethal weapon 4 where the movie stops so that chris rock can do a type 5 yeah that's right on cell phones yeah this is like a type 5 if type 5s weren't funny which is what going to church actually is that's what a sermon feels like richard is you're watching a stand-up comedian who doesn't tell very many jokes (laughs) yeah well this is like yeah one of my my sort of biggest exposures to the world of religion was Mm. i went to uh uh, workmates a very religious workmates (laughs) wedding and yeah, there's a lot of talk, and this is one of the things that really creeps me about about religion. And we experienced this when we covered, uh, yes, God, yes, the mm. for the the short films adapted to feature length films, which is uh, yeah, set in a very sort of religious place. That 
the, during the wedding, there's a lot of talk about like uh, the parents of the the bride. Please stand up. Do you give your daughter to submit to her husband mm. and to obey his commands? And I'm like, this is like kinky as fuck, and it's you should <laughs> you should not be saying this in front of a group of people. It's it's either like it, it's either it's gross for like one of two reasons. <laughs> and and either way they you should they should not be said in a house of worship and so there's there's a lot of things like that in these films where yeah there's talk of submission and yeah it, it it's just a very strange thing the other mm. but the other thing about that the why I brought it up is the the minister was this cool reverend youth past, dave the, the reverend yeah, the, the, the reverend dave of the of the wedding was <laughs> oh sorry you were yeah sorry yeah, i talked about my real life experience <laughs> the, the reverend dave of this wedding was like doing a type five about marriage type five mm. is a comedy term to refer to like a five minute set that you've got that's your, yeah. your tightest five minute set and yeah, he was he was talking about like now in a marriage, you know, the the man is kind of makes the rules and and the, and talking about why why they talk about submission and how the wife submits to the man, and he's like, now uh, that's not the way it is in my household, but uh, <laughs> like talking about how classic like these things, it's like you know religiously the man is the provider in the family. Now uh, <laughs> don't let my wife hear you say that, and like mixing in worship with like 90s stand-up comedy about yeah <laughs> i get chris almost chris rockian stand-up yeah. yeah um so rich i wanted to ask you like having never really watched a faith-based movie before i know you've watched one which we could talk about if you'd like um <laughs> what, what was your uh you know, did you notice a separation between what church, church and state? <laughs> church and state, what what um what faith based movies look like and what regular, even regular bad movies look like? Mm. Uh, it's interesting. The, the 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 actual like if we're talking purely aesthetic, mm. faith based movies look exactly like bad movies. <laughs> that, <laughs> yep, <it's, laughs> they look uh, like uh, porn where the opposite of porn happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> it's uh, that that's a budget thing to be fair mm. like it's it's just uh the, the, the main thing is, is, though, is lighting know. though yeah, yeah i mean you creative cinematography but there's with uh, certain cameras can only achieve so much and mm. when you're having to light things a certain way but and, and when you're not take and you also don't have the time to be mm. super creative with your cinematography there are a couple of cool shots across the franchise i'll admit there's one hmm. particularly cool cut I thought in the fourth one um, hmm. that that yeah I messaged you about and I was like you know gotta hand it to them that was a good piece of filmmaking. <laughs> hey, that's exactly what it's like being Christian, where you suffer through bullshit for so long and occasionally have these like fleeting moments of fulfillment that mm, are gone. When the next God day. talks to you, yeah, when God talks to you because he's not dead. As, um, as someone I, who's as someone who's yep. who's left the church. Yeah. Are you able to now admit that any time you claimed to have spoken to God, it was made up? Uh, I wasn't a big speaking to God guy, but I did, uh, quote, get drunk on the Holy Spirit quite a few times, which I now look back on with cold, cold shame. <laughs> and realize it was just alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, a couple of years ago, well, it was probably, I think it was like, 
2017, right when I was like right in the midst of questioning my faith, I shared with you the only faith-based movie I've ever seen that I mm. think is m- marginally decent. Um, it's an adaptation of a book called Blue Like Jazz. And you watched it, and my mem- if memory serves correct, you weren't like jazzed on it, <laughs> but you weren't like... I, I wasn't th- too blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think if anyone's seen Blue Like Jazz, I think the difference between God's Not Dead and Blue Like Jazz, a movie which I don't necessarily stand by anymore, um, is that Blue Like Jazz is deeply, deeply sympathetic towards atheists, whereas this feels like it is it is mm. d- deeply, deeply sympathetic towards the hard life that mostly white Christians in America <laughs> must lead, uh, yeah. you know? I, I would say, I think the difference, like, I don't remember Blue Like Jazz all that well, if I'm being mm-hmm. perfectly honest with you, but I I would say, yeah, what I felt was the difference, I don't, I, like, I don't remember it being sympathetic to atheists, for example, but I remember Blue Like Jazz as more of a coming-of-age film mm. that the way he came of age happened to be rekindling his faith yeah and yeah it's like you've you've still then got it's yeah you've got the coming of age storyline and that's yeah, yeah. still at least compelling in the mm. same way that do to a lesser extent that i still found the convincing others of your steadfast beliefs to be an interesting idea mm. it's it's <laughs> there's so much other stuff in the film that yeah. it's like and this, the second one does this even more so, where it's like, ah, you're actually toying with what's what could be a really good film. They're, they're, they're on the other of side own. of a good argument, but they're on the losing side, but they don't realize they're on the losing side. And it's like, yeah. well, you brought it up. <laughs> if I was you, I wouldn't have brought this up. <laughs> I, I, to be fair, though, I think that if the film was reversed and it was a an atheist going into a fucking church class and be like no i'm gonna write god is dead on this piece of paper and i'm gonna stand up and convince you why that is i think that's a less interesting film sure because it's attack instead of defense it's yeah, it's an, yeah yeah that's that's a good way of putting it that it's an attack and also it's like you're you're right you're obviously right <laughs> so it's like it's it's it should be less interesting to convince people it's it's like convincing people and same thing with 12 angry men that these people are so convinced but you're giving them you're just giving them doubt the film Mm. doubt plays this as well that Mm. like convincing people to doubt something because obviously you know the burden of proof is is beyond reasonable doubt that yeah whereas like i'm convincing you with facts that god does not exist that's not Mm. as interesting because anyone could just read a book and see of course he's not real (laughs) anyone could read a book and why not the good book um (laughs) as indicated by its rotten tomato score the film was almost unanimously negatively received with uh many calling it out for its as we said before its straw man arguments and unrealistic characters it's basically the end result of of a christian thinking about what he should have said to that atheist during the argument he Mm. had with them the other day right um and i think what's more telling are its christian detractors so there's plenty of like christian criticism of these films um evangelical 
columnist uh, Michael Gerson referred to the film as lacking grace and in a Washington Post article uh, wrote, the main problem with God's Not Dead is not its cosmology or ethics but its anthropology. It assumes that human beings are made out of cardboard. Academics are arrogant and cruel. Liberal bloggers are preening and snarky. Unbelievers disbelieve because of personal demons. It is characterization by caricature. So basically saying of course the Christians win because Christians are writing mm. the atheist characters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, yeah, like it took towards with the fact that Kevin Sorbo is a more interesting character because <laughs> he's was once faith based, you know. Mm, that yeah, rather than exactly. just being like, no, God's not real because of science. <laughs> Um, so obviously I thought this film was awful and while on a personal level um, I'm somewhat triggered by familiar behaviours and beliefs mm. I grew up tolerating or even buying into I think the most damning thing I could say about this this movie is I thought it was incredibly mean-spirited and like mm. heartless um, you hear it's a movie about a Christian student and an atheist professor and you think oh it's just going to be an adaptation of the typical uh, the professor sat down copy pasta from Christian social media everybody circles yeah, or yeah, everybody clapped or um, the more famous example of this is actually um, and that student Albert Einstein oh, yeah, that yeah. is that's what this is from right that's mm. and which is also untrue Albert Einstein I don't think is I don't think that's a true story about Albert Einstein, um, and uh, the uh, but the film doesn't end with the atheist professor converting, which feels like the natural place to take the story. Um, it instead like calls for blood, and as you said before, it ends with him getting hit by a car and yeah. suffocating as his lungs are filled with blood. Reverend Dave supposedly converts him as he dies, which seems to answer the "if I just ask for forgiveness on my deathbed" question with an emphatic mm. "yep, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> As it's a, as a film, it's also basically punishing him for being, I thought, like understandably atheist. Like he's got a mm. wound that needs healing, um, and they make you sympathize with him because of the loss of his mother. And also, yeah, it's like that unanswerable thing, like you said, yeah. the argument of like sometimes God just says no, and it's like no, you need to provide a better argument that's not yeah. a very good ending <laughs> yeah um radisson is presented as an asshole in ways outside of religion throughout the film like he's very controlling of his secret christian girlfriend mm. and all these other things which make him a bad a mm. straw man bad person um but in killing him it's basically the the author saying atheists deserve to die with a big smile and their arm around your shoulder yeah and also just the way it's framed in the movie is like the, the the whole movie has been and because also i think that the the whole idea of the movie or like if you ask the writer is that like josh doesn't hate professor radisson mm. and you know that that he he feels sorry for him if anything and yeah. then kevin sorbo's lying like dying drowning in a pool <laughs> in his own blood mm. in the middle of the road cut to God's not dead. Yeah, Everyone yeah, just part like they're literally jarring. partying at, it's at while he's dying. Yeah. Um as as Reverend Dave coaches him through conversion as he again fucking dies, he encouragingly, <laughs> he encouragingly says to Radisson, this is a direct quote from the movie, don't worry, in a few minutes you'll know more about God than I do or anybody else here. 
terrifying thing to be told mm. moments before death. And if someone tells me, don't worry, you're about to meet God, I'd be like, oh, fuck, man, I don't want to <laughs> fucking die. Like, it's presented like it's like this this piece of closure. You'll or this get beautiful, your answer, yeah. Yeah, you'll get your answer. He's choking on his own goddamn blood. What are yeah. we talking about? Um, Literal and, um, goddamn blood. <laughs> after Radisson completes choking on his, on his own blood, Reverend Dave, now just as chipper as he was before he watched a man die, <laughs> um, is, is joined by his pastor friend, Reverend Jude, who has been encouraging him to stay positive and faithful for the whole film. And while standing on the blood-stained road, exclaims, what happened here tonight is a cause for celebration. Pain, <laughs> yes, just for a few moments. But now, think about the joy in heaven. This comes moments after Radisson's dying words, quote, I can't die, I'm not ready, and I don't want to die, I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can tell you, Richard, having lived as a Christian, it's easier about it's easier to care about your conversion quota than the actual reality of the lives you're impacting. Right? You go, I converted. Yeah. My my presence in my friends' lives has made them all Christian. And you don't then go, uh, their lives suck. Their lives are fucking yeah. terrible. You just and go, see, at least I why, got and them. Then- you met me and I was unconvertible. And that's why <laughs> the unconvertible, the my hero. <laughs> I, I can't imagine this ending being narratively satisfying to even the most like hardcore Christians. Like, why, why do you have to fucking die? <laughs> that's the thing, yeah. Like, it, it, it's bad storytelling that you yeah. then cut to your main yeah. character partying. Yeah. It's it is soulless. It is evil. When he got hit by the car, I was expecting him to recover through the power of faith, yeah. and that be the way he finds yeah. God and learns to move past his mother's death. But instead, the film tells tells you to be okay, as we said before, with God sometimes saying no and sometimes cutting life short. And you should, in fact, be grateful that an all powerful God even fucking notices and responds to your pathetic, sinful self. Um, to once again. Again, quote Reverend Dave as he converts dying Professor Radisson. That car could have killed you instantly, but I'm sure, and I'm sure right now you probably wish it did. But I'm here to tell you that it's because a you're gift. drowning in your own fucking blood. <laughs> <laughs> because the God you don't believe in has given you another chance, another chance to change your final answer. This chance lasts about forty extra seconds until he dies. Anyway, <laughs> the ultimate indictment I think of God's not dead. I think is that because it's written from the perspective, the genius perspective of a Christian God as a character is entirely absent from the movie because if you're a Christian you can't assume the ways of God that would be blasphemy right you can't write God as a character and so not only does the atheist die but the left-wing blogger with cancer even after being prayed for by the newsboys themselves is not cured of cancer at least not in this film. And I think this is because if you're writing about the authentic and genuine experience of being a Christian, you can't just say, and God fucking her miserable. <laughs> or yeah, or and you can't just say God had him survive getting hit by a car because you never actually see miracles happening in real life as a Christian, Richard. And you never see miracles happening in real life because God is dead. <laughs> because he's not real. The movie exists as if God isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's, it's the God equivalent of a Santatheist movie. 
Yeah, yeah, an atheist movie. (laughs) Other than these moments, I thought the most authentic portrayal of life as a Christian shown in the film is how fucking lame Christian rock concerts are. Like, it's it's like it's a sin to be excited, so everyone's just sort of like standing, bobbing in place, clapping their hands and raising their um, arms. It it sucks. I hate everything about this movie. And also, so this film as well, like at the concert, which I'm yeah. sure is a thing that happens at actual concerts. The the lead singer of Newsboys mm. encourages everyone to pull out their phones. The like, mm. oh, he's going to do like you know like instead of light as you use your phone torch. He's like, no, now mm. text everyone you know mm. and say God's not dead. And then the, when the film ends, it says, "No, I actually do it. Do <laughs> it. Do that it. wasn't just that wasn't just part of the movie. Like this is real. <laughs> actually do it." If I texted everyone in my contacts, uh, God's not dead, not only would I get no conversions, I'd probably lose clients. Like, it's a bad <laughs> move, and yeah, you shouldn't I, do it. I, thought ab- <laughs> I briefly thought about doing that as, like, a piece of content and reading out the replies. <laughs> right. But I, I don't idea. have the fucking balls to do that. <laughs> I don't want to, like... like girls i went on one date with seven yeah, years ago yeah, yeah. whose names are just still randomly saved <laughs> yeah, my phone because who deletes exactly. contacts you know that's that's what exactly what i was thinking is like i have obscure fucking numbers in yeah my like phone. like people that <laughs> like, like people that i'm sure like like your people i worked with 10 years ago and it's like mm. i hope you've deleted my numbers so that this <laughs> this is just a <laughs> random number and not why the fuck is this dude <laughs> messaging me? I should um, go there... through and clean up my contacts. <laughs> That's like, the real like lesson. People, from people God's I, not I bought a car off who I saved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there any, any other points you'd like to make about the first film? Uh, is there any points I want to make about the first film? <sighs> no, we have got our the... new segment if you'd like to move straight to Yeah, that. we have we have spoken for 40 minutes already about it, which is... <laughs> well, before we move on from the first film, I thought we'd go into French Wise, as in mm. W-H-Y-S. Uh, this is our new segment where we speculate as to why this film got so many sequels. Why was this turned into a franchise? Um, and why do you think? What are your? Do you have any theories? Well, There's nothing One thing too I concrete. know is that this was actually a surprisingly a box office hit. Mm. That it's yeah. you, for a budget of two million dollars, it, it grossed sixty four point seven million, uh, yeah. finishing third behind two films we've covered: Divergent and Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it be. also uh, made God's Not Dead briefly the second highest grossing faith based film of all time, behind Passion of the Christ, which does that count it's still very much a hollywood film mm. um but this this title of second highest uh grossing faith-based film of all time lasted a little less than a month uh before it was beaten by a film called heaven is for real um oh. it is now the eighth highest f- grossing uh faith-based film of all time behind other such classics as son of god miracles from heaven war room i can only imagine and the shack uh, and none of the other sequels grossed higher than this one. Yeah, it's interesting, it's interesting that none of, like, I've not heard of any of those. Mm. The Shack is very is a very famous book in Christian circles. I've read it, and to all the Christians listening... Is it more famous than the Bible? Yeah, it is. To all the Christians listening who have read The Shack, I think The Shack fucking sucks, and I thought that when I was a Christian. So stop just assuming it's good because you're a Christian and it's something you could consume. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but, but, the best Christian media is VeggieTales, and that's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> the the this, Anyway, for the, the, the why of the franchise is that... Mm. You have 
a guy called David A.R. White, who portrays mm. Reverend Dave, mm. who owns the production company that makes these mm. films. <laughs> and so he obviously liked his character. He thought they did something pretty good. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to make three more sequels where I'm the only character who is in all four of them. <laughs> and I will kill off several around me to be <laughs> that lone character. That'd yep. be a good plot for the for the, for the film. <laughs> that like it gets revealed that he's actually been killing these people. He was driving the car. That's how he got to <laughs> Kevin Sorbo so quickly. And he was like, oh, "You're gonna you, you don't believe in God, huh? You're about to. <laughs> God's not dead, but you are. <laughs> uh, but God's not dead too." came out in 2016, once again directed by the Kronkman himself, Harold <laughs> Kronk. Um, what do you think it has on Ron Tomatoes? Seven. It's got 10% critic score, but a 61% audience score. Yeah. Um, this one is once again uh, follows a series of converging storylines. Would you like to rattle through them and I'll pick up on any of you? have understandably forgotten uh well uh, yeah this one i only remember as having one storyline so mm. <laughs> mm. uh and also just for for the record i uh, turned over a new leaf this year and decided to pay more attention to film franchise fortnite films um and i did that for three out of four of these so <laughs> <laughs> the god's not dead 2 is the the main the main storyline it stars Melissa Joan Hart who you might know as Sabrina the Teenage Witch now she's mm-hmm. uh, what's it, what's the character's name Grace the middle aged Christian and <laughs> <laughs> she she's a she's a teacher and one of her students is sort of uh, is being closed off because her brother died recently and they they have a chat outside of work hours where you know she mentions christianity etc and it perks her up a little bit the, the student and then in class later on they're, they're talking about uh, figures like Mahatma gandhi martin luther king and their sort of peaceful teachings and ideals and the, the very same student brooke says oh essentially like yeah this is like what jesus said right and then uh, Melissa Joan Hart's character is like, yeah, that's right. And Jesus also said this. And then Jesus went on to say, yeah. And then boom, the fucking, the, one of the students texts their parents and says, they're shoving God down our throats. <laughs> the PTA is after your ass. <laughs> and then, yeah. So people, the, 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 the principal says, Hey, you can't mention God in this. Hey, this is a, this is a school. God damn it. And, she ends up saying, Sorry. "No, actually, this is this is <laughs> wrongful expulsion," and mm. ends up going to court and uh, trying to fight for her right not only to party but to mention Jesus at school mm. because there's this whole thing, separation of church and state, which. I'm sorry, America. I don't really understand it that much. And so I don't like one of these things. I, I, I was thinking the other day, there's real funny about like someone on the discord said, oh, I wonder how much in New Zealand they're taught about some American piece of history. And it's like, I wonder how much you're taught about the Treaty of Waitangi. Uh, probably not a lot <laughs> yeah. because you don't give a shit. And why would we give a shit about your American shit? Because we don't get taught a lot about it either. Yeah, true. But um, <laughs> that's changed though in the last couple yeah, of years. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. But yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, we we we're not America's not as much the center of the universe as 
I think these films and uh, <laughs> would, God apparently and, thinks. God would like us to believe. It. But anyway, <laughs> they uh, in the the prosecution are like trying to prove again God is dead. So so that this is still a relevant title for the franchise. But the mm. the, the way that they decide to structure their defense is that proving that Jesus outside of religion did actually exist as a person Mm. and so because this was a history class she should be allowed to mention jesus as a historical figure now Mm. i think that is a fantastic setup for a film or or an episode of a tv show maybe maybe not a Mm. whole film but Mm. uh and then obviously you know they prove that jesus existed and the way they they prove it i'm sure using actual facts and figures because yeah, I think that it's it's again it's fascinating to look at. Most people agree, Jesus, someone resembling Jesus actually existed, yeah. and looking okay. Well, how did what actually happened in in his life that was twisted into what we know as the mm. the myth of Jesus? Mm. I think that's fascinating. I think that when that happened in the film, when they had that realization, and they bring uh, witnesses in just to prove the existence of jesus i was like what a what a great setup for a film i'm sorry sure. but the the film again is not good uh but i i wanted to meet the like i said i wanted to meet the first film on its own terms and so i gave it two stars on letterbox being like well they're gonna be a steady decline and then i was like well this one's better than the first one <laughs> i thought uh i thought it was kind of a more straightforward storyline we didn't waste as much time on uh, you know other storylines it was more this kind of you know mm. this this a courtroom drama and yeah, yeah. it's similar to blue like jazz where you've at least got the coming of age storyline or you know, story sure. structure here you've at least got a courtroom drama which you know, I, i'm i'm a sucker for a, a courtroom drama i'm mm. a big legally blonde fan sure I do, I do agree with what you're saying that there is kind of like a tiny nugget of brilliance in the film of like they have to prove that God exists as a, as a historical or Jesus existed as a historical figure, um, and that's why it's okay to fleetingly mention him, um, and it, this feels almost like a less interesting switch of the movie The Man Who Sued God, which sees the mm. Catholic Church having to prove God doesn't exist in order to not have to pay damages to Billy Connolly after his yeah. boat is struck by lightning, which is such a great plot for a movie. And it's and it's deemed a, an act of God, so that it will kind yeah, of yeah, ensure, yeah. ensure yeah. I'm sorry, he sues God, yeah. My problem with this 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 nugget though this nugget of brilliance is that the realization that they have to prove jesus uh was a real historical figure is a introduced at the beginning of the third act um which i think would be the first thing you'd try right like in this argument um b uh jesus literally was a real guy and i think most people know this i don't think that was the debate um c it's hardly the reason anyone is suing anymore but anyone because it's pulling on threads we already know and d none of this matters because the film still wants to establish the moral true north is that anyone should be able to talk about jesus or preach or convert at any times because god is not dead and everyone needs to hear about this I, i do also like without sounding too sympathetic i feel like i've already sounded far too sympathetic towards these movies but <laughs> i and for a penny and for a pound that the <laughs> the i think and this is again not knowing enough about america and what you guys don't you guys fucking pledge allegiance to the flag every morning and so weird <laughs> so weird so weird man but the 
idea that a student can ask like, oh, this is like what Jesus said and that you can't go, yeah, exactly. That's mm. that to me is fucked. Like, what are you supposed to respond mm. if a if a student are, like are you do you just I move that that be stricken from the record, yeah, in your in your classroom, yeah. I I don't understand. I mean, well, I get that that they kind of they dip into the the argument that it's like the fact that you responded with scripture shows that you know more than the average person about Christianity mm. or the Bible, whatever, and that counts as preaching. And so, so I, I, yeah, it's maybe, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> the reason, the reason you think this is fucked up, Richard, is because it's a gross misrepresentation of what would actually happen, right? So yeah. I, I believe, I agree that this film is better than the first film, if only because it's less bloodthirsty and cold. Mm. Um, and it makes up for, but I think it makes up for this hatred by doubling down on this hilarious unrealistic persecution complex because i think what you're saying like surely that's fine to just answer a question i think the film outright lies to you with its premise Mm. because it has you side with melissa joan hart because she's right she did very innocently answer a question about jesus from a historical perspective but in real life and in real america no one's going to court for this they they might get in trouble for actually proselytizing to students in a classroom which is how everyone treats her and i think this is because the film wants to have its cake and eat it too they want to they want it to be right but they also want to depict the consequence of actually going too far as if mm. that were unfair. So it's misrepresenting the argument so that your side seems way more logical. Yeah, right. So they need they needed her to explicitly preach. But then she would be wrong and you wouldn't sympathize with yeah, her. So yeah, they yeah. can't show you that part. I've mm. written a little analogy here, Richard. It would be like if I fucked a goat, right? And suffered through a legal battle about fucking a goat. And then I made a movie about this experience. But in the movie, I simply platonically cared deeply for a goat and suffered through the exact same legal battle <laughs> as I did in real life. Someone watch- watching this movie might go, wow, people who platonically care deeply for goats sure are unfairly persecuted. It's like, well... Because this is actually the consequence uh, yeah. for fucking a goat, not it, it what is, she did. As well, the the, it, the the film ends with like this film is based on these court cases, and all of them mm. end with this. And mm. if you like on Wikipedia or IMDb, I saw that it says like, a lot of these court cases are not yeah. what the movie it's, wants it, you to it, think it they says are. Like, yeah, no, it doesn't actually resemble any of the court cases. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, none of these actually happened. It's like. Or um, I think it's the first film that says, yeah, it, it resembles these court cases, and it's like all of these court cases were thrown out because mm. no mm. one gives a mm. shit. <laughs> because no one gives a shit. And on top of all of that, the situation presented in the film, yeah, people have gone to um, court for for things they've taught in schools. But do you know what that thing that they've taught in schools that they get taken to court for is? atheism it's it's evolution yeah. like this is it is a reverse of what actually happens yeah. um in nick shager's review for, for the film from variety he writes uh, harold cronk's follow-up concocts a laughable crisis of faith whose resolution is a fate accompli turning the endeavor into a torturous exercise in one note proselytizing and he continues uh god's not dead Two delivers copious back and forth arguments about separation of church and state that seem wholly divorced from any rational understanding of the topic. Instead, that subject is merely a flimsy pretext for a depiction of a tyrannical discrimination faced by Christians as well as a fundamental legitimacy.
legitimacy of their views. So it's like, you're right, Christians, and look at this, look at what you have to suffer. Um, another another review I wrote I found on Salon written by Silpa Cavalli said, It is impossible to stress how deeply unrealistic the film's premises, and important to stress that this case was not based on a true story. Itself a loose specification. The movie suggests the persecution of Christians in our society is readily apparent in the real world and not just an artistic license. Then why on earth would its writers and producers have to invent such a case out of thin air rather than portraying one of the multitudes of victimless crimes for which Christians throughout the country are presumably being prosecuted? Perhaps because employees demanding contraceptive coverage or gay couples service might be more sympathetic than a fiendish ACLU lawyers. So basically like, hey, there are some uh, court cases involving Christians having to do what they don't want to do that you might want to make a movie about. Uh But those ones are how you don't want to, you know, you're a minister that doesn't want to marry two gay people. Why don't you make a movie about that? Hmm, Is it because Christians would obviously be the villains in that movie? You know? There there is like, there's a couple of references to like homosexuality in these movies, isn't there? There's reference in as as in like an atheist character giving like a straw man argument will list it among things that that the that the church doesn't like. I vaguely remember something in the first film like a christian character essentially being like yeah no like homosexuality is okay uh, i don't think so i highly doubt that is in the oh, first yeah, film I can't especially in 2014 when i feel like there was a lot more of a free thing you could say without getting in a lot more trouble mm. um than you could now um so also in this film um we're we've got the now healed of cancer left-wing blogger amy from the first film who <laughs> ain't so left-wing anymore um and a background character from the first film named martin who's a chinese student who was convinced to turn christian at the end of the first film he also returns along with reverend dave and reverend jude who further battle the government's insistence on controlling christianity um also starring in this film is jesse metcalf who plays uh melissa jones Hart's defense attorney Ray Wise uh, plays her prosecutor and Ernie Hudson plays the judge meaning the film stars alumni from as you said Sabrina the Teenage Witch Desperate Housewives Twin Peaks and Ghostbusters um, which is all a collection of media I can assure you corporate Christianity would have decried upon release Um, and there's also a TV show called Reaper which I watched a bit of in high school where Ray Wise literally plays Satan (laughs) like it's it's funny to see like all these people who are not only like oh it's a mainstream actor in a Christian film but it's like the other things I've seen you in are very much not very you know church friendly (laughs) yeah also Jesse Metcalf I only know him from John Tucker Must Die, where he played mm, the titular the, the Must eponymous, Die. Which is actually a pretty similar title to God's Not Dead. Yeah. <laughs> this movie should be called John Tucker's Not Dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another review I've got here is from Jordan Hoffman at The Guardian, who deemed it a much better movie than God's Not Dead, but that's a bit like saying a glass of milk left on the table hasn't curdled and is merely sour. Um, and he further stated, it is unfortunately just professional enough that there are only brief instances of transcendent badness rather than drawn-out sequences. Um, I love a good description of why a movie's bad. Yeah, like yeah. these eloquent, poetic... <laughs> it's so great. But as the 
sort of the Kevin Sorbo of this film in a lot of ways. I thought Ray Wise was so good at this movie as the, <laughs> the prosecutor. Um, genuinely menacing, and he utters the best line in the franchise, which is, we'll, once, we'll prove once and for all that God is dead. And it's like, if you're going to include a, an atheistic straw man in your film you could at least be a bit camp with it like yeah yeah yeah. you know like why not like you know get fun with it make him like a, a mustache twirling villain um ray wise has also appeared in x-men first class and robocop by the way so this is our third ray wise uh franchise hmm. the french wise French, the real franchise. Jesse Metcalf uh, ends up winning the case for Melissa Joan Hart in the film uh, by putting her on the stand after days of grueling discourse, which included questioning actual Christian apologists uh, Jay Warner Wallace and Lee Strobel, which is, I guess, this movie's equivalent to having the Duck Dynasty guy, yeah. um, both of whom look very giddy to be there and spout their actual teachings. They're not not really acting. They're just like, why, yes, in my book, you can read that. Da, 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 da. That's so funny. I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe you, you 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 don't know a Christian. You can't tell a Christian just by looking at them. Whereas I can, yeah. like gray hair, and <laughs> that's the that's the defining characteristic. Um, after Melissa Joan Hart takes the stand, however, Jesse Metcalf ruthlessly grills her into admitting she believes she hears from God, and in an emotional cataclysm, which I don't think would actually change anyone's mind in real life, um, and probably get you thrown out of court. This convinces the jury to vote in favor of melissa joan hart yeah so th- this was so fun this was such a poor uh plot that like uh plot point that they're trying I, to do a you can't handle the truth moment yeah i didn't even understand no neither how <laughs> he convinced them of anything yeah like, just, like he's just a I, bad I was waiting the whole time for for the you can't handle the truth moment or any kind of revelation but he mm. was just bullying her and everyone mm. goes oh okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, God's not dead. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, Melissa Joan Hart comes off the stand, and I was like, "Why'd you do that?" And he's like, "I had to, so that they would see this." Mm. And she goes, "Now I get it." Yeah. Was, Explain it to me, please. It's so funny to see a movie recreate like a trope, but not. Uh, like just and in, yeah. in, in the sense that the actors are reacting like the trope yeah. has been executed successfully but the audience like i thought yeah they I were looking it. for a i thought it was you walking through the door <laughs> from um from legally, blonde. legally blonde yeah no exactly yeah. at the beginning of god's not dead 2 richard melissa joan hart i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today and her very elderly father exchange I love you's. And they have sort of have this cute relationship that you see, at, you know, fleetingly throughout the film. Um, and she, she, he says, I love you. As he's going to bed, he says, I love you. And she says, I love you better. And he looks at him and says, I loved you first. And boy, did I think that would come up again later in the film as her father's last words on his deathbed. <laughs> I guess that idea is just too smart for this movie. Yeah. Didn't it feel like it was setting that up? How good of a last word would, would I loved you first be? 
and God. like I loved you last. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, there is a post-credit scene in this movie where Reverend mm. Dave is arrested for refusing to comply with the government insisting to control the church. Um, and the image of a financially comfortable white middle-class preacher being unfairly put in handcuffs, I think, is a microcosm for this whole franchise. Uh. <laughs> Did you have any more thoughts, or shall we move on? No, I think that that uh, leads us nicely into mm. God's Not Dead. A Light in Darkness. Which came out in 2018. This was directed by Michael Mason, which is apparently a pseudonym for a guy named John Gunn. I don't know why he would need a pseudonym. Um, But what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Uh, Probably 10% again. 10% again with a 53% audience score. What is this movie about? I guess we know which one has the 100%. (laughs) This one drops the converging storyline yeah kind of style and and has more of a, a streamlined approach <laughs> yeah th- this one although in spite of that i found this one the hardest to follow <laughs> mm, no absolutely yeah it's it's so the david hill gets out of prison and the the church he is reverend of fucking blows up <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah, so one of the students <laughs> it does though right no it does yeah yeah the the one of the students the student who's the student is religious right no yeah. sorry so no. there's a there's a student couple the girl is religious but questioning the guy yeah, yes, is yes. is atheist and wants her to just give it up presumably so they can back yeah so he so he blows up the church <laughs> so he he um in a in a fit of religious angst um he spray paints a cross across the the sign of the church because the church is already being in trouble because they're refusing to comply with the these yeah to, to hand over their sermons right yeah to be, yeah yeah, yeah. To be yep. um, and then he then he picks up a rock and he throws it through the window aiming to just like break a window um but what happens a bomb that was inside the church and it blows up he hits a gas tank which loosens the the spout of the gas tank um reverend jude who's the the been uh reverend dave's best friend for the whole series so far goes in to investigate um turns on the light and blows up and and dies um so the rest of the film is basically the after a after a hate crime what is perceived to be a hate crime the mm. university which because it's a university church the university board are like we've got to remove the church from the university because this you know the, this stuff is just going to keep happening and and this is no longer the place for for religion you know a university is no longer the place for religion so to try and save the church reverend dave gets his brother pierce played by john corbett to turn up who's a lawyer to try and defend no him. relation to jeremy no but uh john corbett is seemingly this film's big get um and makes his second appearance on film franchise fortnights with this film as he's probably more well known as playing aiden from sex in the city uh and so he appears in sex in the city too you'll also recognize him as the main guy from my big fat greek wedding bold of you to assume i would recognize him from that <laughs> <laughs> perhaps more significantly though is the appearance of ted mcginley who plays thomas the university board member and frenemy of reverend dave who we've previously seen as villainous jock stan gable in the revenge of revenge of the nerds series uh, nice. um, so we can add revenge of the nerds sex in the city and sure my big fat greek wedding to the extended list of media gods not dead actors have worked on which would be condemned by the christian community uh, <laughs> there's also uh, uh tatum o'neill appears in this film who is the youngest 
competitive academy award winner who uh, oh, won no a, an acting uh, award at age 10 oh. for her performance in paper moon 1973 well, who does he play in this it's a woman, Barbara Solomon, oh. board member of Hadley University. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, um, I should have become famous 30 years ago, but a Christian movie will be happy to have me, mm. <laughs> kind of yeah. storyline. Yeah, child actor who didn't quite transition. But the, yeah, yeah so yeah, you, you may as well continue with the flop. So the, this film is is loosely based on the story of five pastors in Texas who were issued subpoenas for sermons due to a potential violation of the Johnson Amendment, which says that non-profit organizations cannot announce a political allegiance, basically. Um, but unlike in the film, in reality, the subpoenas were dropped. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and since 2008, only one of more than 2,000 mainly evangelical clergy deliberately violating the law has been audited and none were punished and um, this means that the entire crux of reverend dave getting arrested is christians trying to illustrate this totalitarian dystopia they live in where their religion is unfairly policed by the government but in real life the cases that inspired the story the church won them the church yeah. won those cases they fell through what are you complaining about uh, like, like you can't be like look at the look what could happen when we know it doesn't happen yeah. i mean you can that's called conservative rhetoric i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's it's the, the persecution complex yeah mm, the, exactly the, so um regarding this film this was uh, yeah i tired of st- yeah didn't like this film mm. <laughs> i'll say i thought it was a significant drop off from the first two <laughs> and i like that i held the first two in like barely high enough esteem <laughs> that there was room to go down which mm. is w- what i forced myself to do because i i wanted to not be like these are all terrible there is a hierarchy (laughs) of god's not dead films yeah Uh, i did however i will say i thought it was interesting that they did stuff like have reverend dave like assault this (laughs) college kid for murdering his his black friend yeah yeah Yeah. and it's like these are all interesting and it's and it's interesting to see uh that i you have the guy that owns the pure flicks production company playing the sort of the moral good reverend mm. dave and you see him you know at his lowest point and we actually kind of you know obviously still within the bounds of a faith-based movie we see kind of the depths of that of him yeah like assaulting mm. a kid and it's being... it's almost a compelling character arc isn't it it's yeah. so close <laughs> it is but it's like if this was kind of a more uh coherent film maybe if the cronkman had directed it mm. this could could be the Bring best one back harold cronk yeah because because i think i like the idea it's it, well, and also the dynamic of his brother being atheist is like yeah of mm. course you do that and it's like yeah, yeah. immediately kind of a fun dynamic or it's like an interesting dynamic to write i guess yeah um so the story in this one i thought fluctuated between uh deeply uninteresting the 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 reverend dave story is like ah i don't want to watch a guy try save a church (laughs) like it's Mm. so boring um and then uh also mind-numbingly miserable because following Mm. the kid that accidentally killed jude just made me feel sick and sad and like oh my god imagine if Mm. you were in this situation how horrible would that be considering jude's death though uh, being and it was caused by him switching on a light in a dark room and, and igniting the flame, then igniting the gas. I can't help but feel that a light in darkness is a bit of an inappropriate subtitle for the film. Yeah, 
It should have been like a light, one word. Oh, mm. oh very dark. It feels like whoever wrote this film as well uh, is, was a big Better Call Saul fan. <laughs> and okay. and each, with, with the character of Pierce the lawyer doing like some kind of like, you know, dirty atheist tricks to try and get, get, <laughs> yeah, get stuff yeah. on, on his side. Um, I thought it, it felt like it was trying to implement similar ideas from what I consider to be some of the best writing in television into some of the worst writing in movie history. <laughs> My flatmate watching it was with me was like, um, it's like if Better Call Saul was written by the worst writers in existence. <laughs> yeah. um, and in some ways, this one, I think, is simultaneously the least offensive and the most offensive. Ooh. It has nothing as brazen as killing off the atheist character and treating that like, like a victory. But it also feels like this one, and with the next one, they were trying to address some of the criticisms that had been leveled at the first two films and because mm. they fail at addressing these criticisms it just makes it worse um so there's a scene where reverend dave's atheist brother so so pierce is uh, they're arguing and pierce brings up that christians are always playing the victim card when they're also responsible for the world's greatest atrocities so they're mm. like well look we're mentioning what you've criticized us for um there's another scene where pierce is surprised to learn that josh wheaton who returns in this film uh, was studying social justice law and joe jokingly calls him a liberal to which josh explains that jesus was actually super feminist um <laughs> and there's another scene uh where after a brick is thrown through the window or that well referring to the brick that fell that, that threw, flew through the window of the church uh reverend dave visits visits um pastor roland an african-american uh, preacher from another church and he basically says to him no offense but i don't think you can understand what i'm going through right now <laughs> uh, to which roland explains that as a black preacher in the south he's experienced this kind of oppression all the time He's, he's like who do you think you're talking to now he says yeah. i could build a church with the bricks that have been thrown through my window which mm. i thought was a good line yeah this is all well and good these the, and, and while these are valid criticisms that are maybe worthy of addressing if you really want your film to stand on its own the trajectory and criticized behaviors of the franchise still continue unchanged and mm. despite acknowledging i you know dipping a toe in concepts like white privilege and things it is ultimately a story about a white kid who kills a black guy and then gets out out of jail after barely doing any time because no one wants to mess up his future because that's what happens to the guy that throws that accidentally killed Jude. Like, and it's it's Kyle Rittenhouse. It's it's you know like it's yeah. it's one of those stories. It's mm. just framed in a very strategic way that doesn't show you the people protesting that if a black guy had thrown a, a brick through a window and killed someone, he'd, he'd be, be he'd be dead yeah um so the film is acknowledges it has unconscious biases but then it continues to show that it hasn't learned anything it's just aware yeah. it just it's just aware of the biases it was told about and not the ones it still has <laughs> Yeah. On the scene where Reverend Dave is challenged by Pastor Roland for his own white privilege and ignorance, in a variety article I would highly recommend for anyone interested in these movies called um, How the Christian Movie Series God's Not Dead Fails to be Christian, uh, Alison Wilkinson, who's a lifelong Christian herself, wrote, In this moment and a few others, it seems like a light and darkness is about to reevaluate the God's Not Dead series' own narrative about Christians in America, one that's been far more interested in bolstering a certain sort of persecution complex 
conflicts than encouraging its audience toward Christian-like behavior. But in the end, God, in this God's Not Dead installment is just like the others, putting on a pious face, but failing to imagine what real sacrifice looks like. As she goes on, it's telling that one African-American who challenges Dave's worldview is given very little airtime in God's Not Dead because it encapsulates the insularity that keeps the white evangelical persecution complex humming. One wonders what would happen if God's Not Dead had chosen to engage with Roland's story more, or what if Dave, Dave actually had to acknowledge Roland's experience and learn from it, and thereby the audience. Or, even more daringly, what if God's Not Dead were telling Roland's story? Mm. There is no need to invent legal, social, and moral challenges for Roland. There's no need to fudge the truth there. There is history and evidence and reality, and it runs bone deep. Look, it's such a good way to put it. Mm. Like they make they it, it is telling that the God's Not Dead movies have to make up fictional court cases in order to appear yeah. subjugated, right? When there are real ones on the fringes of it that it ignores, it's because yeah, they it's want like, to yeah, be oppressed. Do the people prosecuted because of the, the the don't say gay bill? Mm. Yeah, yeah, the, the, exactly. you, you fucking you <laughs> wanted Christians. <laughs> Um, there's there's another scene in this where Reverend Dave and Pierce are arguing about why their family fell apart um, when Pierce lost his faith. And Pierce says, you all turned against me once I started asking some hard questions. And Dave said, Dave says, is that what you call them? Hard questions? Asking why bad things happen to good people? And I was like, that's a pretty low bar for what you consider like an unaskable hard question. Yeah. Like if someone's questioning your faith, that's the first thing you'd ask. Like you should be, you're a pastor. You should be prepared for this. And they act like that's like, you knew what you were doing. You were asking questions that were too hard. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking questions I don't know the answer to. And that's not fair. (laughs) Yeah. Like where's proof of God? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it's like, shut up and get out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you have we any more thoughts on, on, on God's uh, Not Dead? I think it's funny that uh, Schwazy is in this movie. Who's that? I saw his name, but I didn't recognize uh, him. Yeah, he's, uh, Schwazy was like a, a one-hit wonder. Uh, oh, no, a two-hit wonder, actually. That okay. in In the uh, uh, late 2000s, probably like 2009-ish, he had a song called Buzzin'. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like, yeah, she was buzzing out over me. And then he had a song called Corona and Lime. Oh, that's not very Christian. Uh, yeah, and yeah, just just completely disappeared. But then I guess resurfaced and appeared in this movie as as one of uh, Thomas's friends. It is so funny the um the pedigree of actors that yeah. end up in this movie, right? Like it is, it is always it's never like currently famous people. <laughs> yeah. It's people who were famous a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we can move on to the fourth film and currently final film in the franchise called God's Not Dead, We the People. This came out last year in 2021 uh, and is directed by someone named Vince Null. Um, It doesn't have a critic score. Vance Null. Vance Null. Um, It doesn't have a critic score, but it does have (laughs) a 100% audience score on Ron Tomatoes. From like over 250 reviews yeah. as well. <laughs> um, and uh, what is this movie about? Uh, so this one is about a group of parents um, led, you know, led by Reverend Dave. Uh, Who's not home- a parent, interestingly enough. Yeah, who, uh, they're homeschooling their children and then a social services woman 
shows up unannounced and is horrifically offended that they uh, are talking about Noah and mm. um, and and whatnot. And then so they have to go to court to to they, well they say you have ten days to stop talking about Jesus or they have mm. to go to real school. And mm. so they go they go to Washington D.C. to testify in front of a congressional subcommittee on homeschooling. And uh, I love this on Wikipedia. The ends <laughs> of plot synopsis: Much of the last half of the film consists mainly of long speeches by the parents, pastor, and members of Congress over the topic of homeschooling. <laughs> Does kind of fall apart in the second half, but yeah, there's there's a, a, <laughs> a funny thing of this where she's like, um, there's just the one moment that stuck out to me when the the social services woman comes in and she goes, and who are you to Reverend Dave Hill? <laughs> and she, and he's like, Oh, I'm, you know, Reverend Dave Hill. And she's like, I, 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 and cuts him off. Like, <laughs> like as if to say, who asked you? And it's like, you literally <laughs> just asked who he was and he tells you, and you're so offended that he answered. <laughs> and just, just to really prove how evil this character is. <laughs> this, this film also stars, uh, William Forsyth as the the villain is Senator Robert Benson, and we've seen William Forsyth before on film franchise Fortnites uh, in Rob Zombie's Halloween, where he threatens to skull fuck someone nice. uh, and is murdered by Michael Myers after he calls him gay. So we can add Halloween to the list of God's Not Dead related media the church wouldn't approve of, but probably more because it's about Halloween than it being homophobic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what did you think of this one, Richard? What did you think of God's Not Dead, We the People? Um, well, also just um, in reference to actors' uh, mm. past oh, yeah. and homophobia, Isaiah Washington, uh, who plays, what's the character's name? Uh, Daryl Smith, the, the congressman mm-hmm. who helps Dave. He yep. was... He landed his breakthrough role on Grey's Anatomy, but he was dismissed after the third season due to his use of a homophobic slur while referring to cast member T.R. Knight. Wow. Yeah, that's so you it, get in your th- movie. that's something probably the church would support. Um, <laughs> it's such a bad look. Why would they do that? It's such a bad look for yeah. the movie. Well, no, see, see, this is like, imagine if this was what it was about. It's like based on the true story of Isaiah Washington. Mm. That it's like he kicked out for being conservative because he you know, called someone the F slur. <laughs> mm, mm. No, this movie would say it would be, be because he chose not to go and drink alcohol with them. Yeah, but yeah, in real yeah. life, it's because he said the F slayer. It's the goat <laughs> fuck thing again. Yeah. <laughs> so you did really you like this one? Uh, I didn't. Uh, no. no. It was, oh, really? It was bad. <laughs> yeah, but again, this it's was... It's missing that cronk touch. <laughs> it is. And it is funny that... Uh, yeah, there, the the how distinctive of a drop off there is, and that yeah, that's that's the Cronkman baby. <laughs> that's just the Cronk style. Yeah, but yeah, this this it does have one really good cut in it. There's a moment where yes. uh, <laughs> Reverend Dave is uh, talking to his his deceased friend uh, Jude. That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, who comes and sort of tells him to, you know, fucking believe in God or whatever. It's like, it's like a flashback to before he yeah. died. And then it has this shot where it's shot in profile and it's kind of a silhouette shot of Dave where there's like a big light coming uh, from the other side of his head and, you know, it almost illuminating him with like a halo or an ethereal a, a glow. A divinity almost. Yeah. <laughs> and then it match cuts to real time and he's sitting alone in his office and the instead of this divine glow it's raining at night outside 
And I was like, message you. I said, I'm sorry, dude. That's good filmmaking. <laughs> that is that to that cut. That's that's good I filmmaking. Don't even remember it happening. Yeah, um, it's, it could be in <laughs> Avengers Endgame. That's <laughs> in a real. Film. I th- I thought this movie was maddening. I thought because it's not even really about God anymore. It basically replaces Christianity as its central concept with homeschooling or being American. Um, two mm. things that this movie would seemingly like to put forward as fundamental tenets of Christianity. Like yeah. if you were watching the first three films because and, um, and you were lost because you're not a Christian, you'll be lost watching this one if you aren't American or homeschooled or a homeschool yeah. teacher. Like it's so weird that it that it goes like we are taking the stand because like there are there are so many christians that aren't american and probably the majority of them don't homeschool their kids worldwide right so like it's such a weird stance to take it's a weird hill to die on i might say which Mm. is a line of dialogue in the film which (laughs) reverend dave says to um to uh william forsyth's character senator robert benson and he he, well no robert benson says it to him he says is this really the hill you're willing to die on and um (laughs) reverend dave responds with this you know my belief started because a man died on a hill and it's like that is what the turn of phrase is referencing right you're not being clever by connecting those two things when someone (laughs) says would you die on a hill for it they're making a christ reference like i I didn't know that didn't you oh okay um no i don't give a shit about uh, i would assume it's a christ reference considering what dying on a hill for something means like yeah no i mean yeah? yeah um in case you're wondering as well, uh, the film isn't based on any real-life attack on homeschooling. The franchise is just, once again, fear-mongering yeah. based on a threat that isn't actually real or even looming. Like, there isn't a there isn't a discourse around this. This is, I think, them looking at um, disagreeing with, with public education and facilitating a story in which public education can be like a literal boogeyman yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i i will say i found the the most disappointing thing for me about this film is so this came out in 2021 um mm-hmm. it's it'd be one of the mo- probably the most recent film we've covered on the podcast sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah that the uh, yeah so as i mentioned earlier the the poster for this film is this a silhouette of a person looking out at the that reflection pool that leads to mm-hmm. the Washington Monument, and it's called "We the People." And I guess in my head, I, I associated it with uh, the Purge election year, <laughs> that like this <laughs> late sequel to a franchise that's about politics. And you know, it like the fact that it came out almost exactly a year after Donald Trump lost the 2020 mm. election. In my head, I assumed this was going to be the like, not like the other films are bad. This one is dangerous. And Mm. it's about a man running for office and trying to, you know, uh, the the Christian beliefs that Donald Trump himself famously upholds. (laughs) (laughs) And that it was going to be this kind of film. And I was like really excited to watch that like, 
offensively, dangerously bad movie. Mm. And instead it's like homeschooling is the biggest threat facing America. <laughs> and is, there's, is there's a line in this film where they're talking about like, we are, we the, we're all, we the people, <laughs> which, um, but they're, they're saying like, I should be able to decide which immunizations my children get. And it's like, that's not a line you should have in a 2021 film. <laughs> I mean, it isn't a Christian one, right? Like they are pandering to an audience yeah, exactly. of, of, but, of America. Like, and this one, as I said, it doubles down on the American yeah. aspect of it. But yeah, there is a, there is a moment in this film where someone actually mentions like it's because they, they meet with um, other homeschoolers who don't want homeschool to be governed for mm. non-religious reasons. Um, mm. And so they, one of them is that they want their, they want to be able to choose the, um, the, <laughs> the vaccines or the, which vaccines their children get. Yeah. They also reference uh, flat Earth in the film. Yeah, there's a my yeah one of my one of my favorite lines of this movie is like my child believes the Earth is round. That's like a fuck you moment to the. To uh, yeah, the- it's so funny that it's like because <laughs> I imagine there's would there be a lot of crossover between flat Earth and Christianity? I just I assume I assume both flat Earthers and Christians are fucking stupid and believe <laughs> the same things. But uh, they no, the 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 flat Earth movement is inherently Christian. Right, yeah. Like, that, it that, is based in Christianity. Yeah, I thought it was a weird thing to have your character be like, yeah, like, they just think we're a bunch of flat earthers. And I was mm. like, a lot of people will be walking out of the three-night theatrical engagement <laughs> of this film. Um, also, in that scene where there are other homeschoolers who... Um, talk about like why they why they want to keep homeschool who and and for for non-religious reasons um is um there's a a black couple who matter-of-factly they're all like adding reasons why they want and a black Mm. couple matter-of-factly add uh not to mention institutionalized racism yeah (laughs) um, and it made me guffaw I like the franchise learned a new buzzword word, <laughs> and no. like maybe it'll catch the ears of the skeptics um, watching. You know, like oh wow, they know about it. They know about institutionalized racism. Maybe that means the movie's getting better. Um, <laughs> there's also a scene in which, similarly, there's a scene in which uh, the congressman Garrel, who's um, Isaiah Washington's character, um, who yeah, who is black, if you didn't know, uh, is explaining to Reverend Dave how hard it will be to try win the case, and is basically shit talking public education in comparison to homeschooling and insist that public schools are trying to instill anti-american sympathies in children by saying that the founding fathers were all a bunch of old men who owned slaves and he goes to defend the founding fathers by explaining that they were all between the relatively young ages of 23 and 35 and quote not all of them owned slaves (laughs) (laughs) and it's unfair to paint them all with the same brush and i thought this was so hilariously pointed because it's a really wishy-washy defense of the slave owner thing and it asks more questions i think than it allows. so which one's owned, owned slave surely that should matter which one's owned slave to which ones didn't um and but it also it demonstrates how god's not dead continuously doesn't understand the argument it's having like doesn't understand mm. what the other side are actually saying because the issue that i for example have with considering the founding fathers ideas you know 
perfect and 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 um you know they don't need infallible, to be changed yeah. infa- infallible the the reason i disagree with that is is not because they were under 35 years old it's because their ideas and beliefs were influenced by the time around them and these ideas yeah. and beliefs are often imbued with troubling racist or sexist sympathies i could care less if they were my age of course they were my yeah. age it doesn't that's not the part i'm worried about you know yeah the the like <laughs> yeah like sexism and racism would be a lot less of a problem if it wasn't for religion i think <laughs> uh yeah that, that like these ideas that the church is finally getting around to being like all right i guess you're people too like mm. <laughs> that yeah i think i think would be a lot further along as a society if it wasn't for uh <laughs> religion as a concept also the, the other thing that's interesting that, that you just reminded me of as well is that the first film has the argument of like if you're not christian what's stopping you from from murdering people or doing horrible things which is like it's such a terrifying argument <laughs> christians make. are sitting there rumbling wanting to, to go murder well, someone, yeah, that's the thing it's like i'm glad you have christianity there's like pen, <laughs> pen Gillette says said in an interview talking about it he said i have raped and murdered every single person i want to in life mm. which is none <laughs> like <laughs> it's yeah it's it's insane that that and it yeah it's a really scary thought that it means that Christians have these intrusive thoughts and mm. are the only reason they're not acting on them is because of Jesus. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a commonplace thing now to talk about this argument. I mean, St- Steve Harvey loves mentioning your, where is your moral barometer? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the same sort of thing. I think of why a lot of like anti-gay christians end up coming out as gay because they think that everyone has these gay thoughts and they're the only ones that are are Mm. strong enough to suppress them and it's like no gay people have gay thoughts yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, i agree and i think like the franchise it throws around these concepts that people criticize it for so often you know it uses words like false narrative or institutionalized racism Mm. to try and show it's aware of arguments made against american christianity but it catastrophically fails to even understand what these ideas are with the same tenacity as all the now very affirmed christians who are watching these movies (laughs) (laughs) um more so i found myself emphatically agreeing with all the atheist characters points there's a part after the the social worker comes to the hope school where she's like so the lesson for today's um for, for the the message of today's lesson is uh obey god or die because they're talking about noah's ark mm. and the the woman's like oh, not exactly and then the film moves on but it's like she's right everyone well, no, but, so everyone's the, problems with christianity in this movie are correct you should like <laughs> i will say as a like even I know that these stories aren't meant to be interpreted literally. They're parables. They're allegories. Christians don't and know that. So I, I, Christi- I, that that's it a big. De- it depends that's on the a Christian. big divide in the Christian community. Sure, sure. Over whether these stories literally happened or not. I, I, th- I think again. I think there's a reference in the first film where they're like, it says this in the Bible. This is what it means. A kind of thing. And it's like not everything I think is supposed to be interpreted literally. You'd hope mm. not. Or that like this is what or it might be the second one that's like this is what probably literally happened 
but or like when he says this in the Bible, it's it's when they're talking about how you can use uh, multiple people's accounts of things to yeah, yeah. confirm a truth, and he's talking about all this sort of stuff and how reading between the lines and stuff like that. That's like yeah, I I get that Noah's Ark isn't supposed to be obey God or die. It's like a, a about I don't know what fucking other shit it's about, but it's like that's about it. <laughs> yeah, but sure, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I've also just discovered fun thing here. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about this movie. So Antonio Sabato Jr., who plays one of the parents wishing to uh, homeschool their, their children, um, he's a, a blacklisted actor because in 2016, he endorsed <laughs> Donald Trump for president and uh, on Twitter said that he was blacklisted from Hollywood after expressing support for Trump. And computer struggled to find work as being Jewish during the Holocaust um, and wow. said that people had been mocking him. But you know what? He still managed to find work and God's not dead for. <laughs> um, Aisha, who is the Muslim turned Christian character from the first nice. film, is returns in this where she is uh, swiftly T-boned by a truck <laughs> um, and goes into a coma, prompting her disillusioned father who kicked her out of house and home in the first film when he found out uh, she was Christian. Um, he comes back into her life to care for her in her comatose state and maybe find Jesus. He maybe also finds Jesus. It's so funny, the idea that it's like, my daughter accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and then was swiftly T-boned. Maybe, maybe there's something to this Jesus thing. <laughs> um, not only does the information of Aisha's accident seemingly never reach her friends who have road trip to out to Washington DC and are never told and never react to it. Like There's Martin, who's like the that, Chinese yeah. guy, he's in this film always like spewing out these weird like pro American ideas and he's like texting her throughout the start of the film and they're like friends and then she gets put in a coma and you just don't see the characters respond to this information mm. in like, part I, of the film. Yeah, I wanted to see Joss Whedon respond <laughs> to Kevin Sorbo's death. Say it's so weird. They just it, ignore it, these things because they're too it, hard. Absolutely, and needed to. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Also, uh, I don't know if you noticed this. How much attention you're paying to the movie? Um, she's still in a coma at the end of the movie. Yeah. The credits yeah. abru- abruptly start rolling, uh, <laughs> and she presumably never wakes up. At least with the canon we have now. Well, let's let's hope for a fifth film. <laughs> and I like that the message here to young Christians who have maybe been abandoned by their families for their faith is just like, just get in a car accident. That'll make your family forgive you. <laughs> like that's the practical advice the movie is giving out. Mm. <laughs> um Steve Pulaski from Influx Magazine wrote a review for this film titled God's Not Dead, We the People is is a repugnant film to its very core, uh, where he describes the film as being not merely the worst in an already misbegotten series, but so utterly deplorable that its status as a three-night-only fathom event in theatres at least assures that, that significantly fewer people will see it. At one point, a character justifies homeschooling their child because it protects them from receiving some immunizations this is a hellscape in which we live <laughs> the article we wrote also goes on to talk about like um he there there was one other group of people in the theater with him and they were like clearly like really enjoying it and they said yeah. that after it finished the, the guy turned to him was like what'd you think and he said you don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I agree with uh, Steve Pulaski that this is the worst one, and if only because of how sickeningly American it is compared to the others, mm. um, which is still like inherently jingoistic, but this one is like they don't understand that Christians exist outside of America and don't mm. have American values in it. I, I really loathe that idea that like American values are inherent to Christianity because that's based in nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think in a way that makes it so it makes it seem like they just think Christians like are like this everywhere. And like the film constantly masturbates over the USA and the constitution and various amendments. Constitution's stupid. <laughs> that has characters moved to tears looking at various Washington memorials and monuments and ends yeah, with and a character be offended that they called them like, uh, like attractions or something. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it ends with an impassioned speech from Reverend Dave about how it is oh, an American so right to teach Noah's Ark in school instead of anything that's actually helpful. And then the film just ends with what feels like several storylines still hanging. I yeah. thought, like, it's a weird. But it's, everyone claps, and it's mm. like you, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. The the movie implies like they won the case, even though it was a David and Goliath uh, situation, mm. you know. And it just it, they just leave you to believe that this worked. Um, mm. but with how proud this movie to how proud how proud to be American this movie is, it makes me wish I could revisit the humble second film in the series, Richard. And I wish I was a student in Melissa Joan Hart's class when she's making her scandalous comparisons between Jesus <laughs> and Martin Luther King Jr. And just put up your head and be like how did martin luther king die <laughs> see if see if god's not dead they'll acknowledge how jesus died how did martin luther king die oh was it uh the fucking fbi killed him because that's america any more thoughts on god's not dead we the people uh it's bad on on the series as a whole i i want to come out officially and say they are bad okay. i just i think that like I don't know, it's interesting. The first, two, if the first two was just like a duology of like these films that like there's nothing in them if you're not Christian, I could be like, I'm I'm quite happy for there to be films that aren't for me, and I mm. they're bad. I outside of this podcast, I never would have watched them. I don't think they're necessarily like evil films in the sense like they're they're, they're, they're masturbatory they're christian films <laughs> like i mean it, it, okay if you think christianity is evil they're they're, they're no no evil. i don't necessarily but, i just think these are these are hateful they they present a superiority to american christian of american christians yeah the first two especially are like you could watch this as a christian and be like oh it's nice to see a movie where christianity wins for once and it's like <laughs> if you've devoted your if you're brainwashed fully in the christian faith you can have a movie or two like that it's when you get into the third and fourth movie where i'm like these are bad these are mm. these are bad for you even if mm. they're what you believe um and but all four of them are bad uh, they're they're maybe not as fun bad as i would have hoped but <laughs> i don't want to have to come on, out on the discord and uh, the following week when people be like actually richard really seemed to like these movies but i i didn't i just this is this is what it sounds like when i pay more attention to the films than <laughs> usual and i have more to say about them mm. um yeah, I, I think uh, interesting films, and uh, yeah, uh, 
I'm glad we watched them. (laughs) Well, other people also watch these films with us, Richard, because if you join our cult elder tier on Patreon, um, what that means is you're given access to a a secret Discord channel where you can give us your thoughts on the film and we will read out your thoughts. So this is our cult elder section for those of you guys that watched God's Not Dead. Uh, Bliss, my uh, dog's not dead, is his name this week, says, um, God admit that... As a kid going to Catholic school, the titular song God's Not Dead was far and away the best song they played at church. I remember the first film coming out. I was rather curious how they turned the song into a film, but lo and behold, it was another song with the same lyrics. Imagine my vague disappointment. Mm -hmm. I actually never saw the first film, but I will say that I embarrassingly thought that the raging atheist teacher was J.K. Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) I think I confused Whiplash with this film. Whoops, was this a somewhat understandable mistake, or am I Either. they came um, out at the same time but oh my god if um kevin sorbo if, was in whiplash yeah, yeah like swap the characters like like no but like keep the character like terence fletcher oh, right. from from whiplash as the teacher in god's not dead <laughs> Um, my thoughts on the first film are really that the premise is silly and absurd from a conceptual standpoint while taking itself too seriously and it hurts the film so much I did however get to watch the second film and I will say that the three leads did a really good job Melissa Joan Hart was cool to see in anything but the defence lawyer played by Jesse Metcalf did a fantastic job in his role it would have been really easy to phone it in but I felt like he gave it his all in his performance the prosecuting lawyer dude was cartoonishly evil and it was enjoyably absurd to see him connive around note that i don't think this the actual script was any good very similar to what you just said richard um but the actors really seem to be having fun and it felt genuine ridiculously stupid movie or not there's something wholesome about that as for the content yeah it's pretty damn stupid even after switching to public school years later the teachers talked about jesus every now and then it was never disallowed teachers were openly willing to invite us to prayer club which i was a part of and i saw several of them at church at different times i was in a debate club as well and surprised Jesus was brought up fairly regularly there as well. On top of that, the film was cringe and stupid at times, possibly racist as well. Note that the discussion about Martin Luther King and how he was a a reverend is primarily directed at an African-American character with another African-American character in frame for no other reason than to make a point. (laughs) I I would not... I don't think that would be an accident. Um, the film seems to dis- disgustingly imply that an African, if an African-American isn't completely familiar with Martin Luther King's teachings, then they are ignorant or blasphemous. I'll admit I skipped around, but I got the gist. The story is confused as to what the trial is actually about, that she talked about Jesus or that Jesus existed or whether or not God is dead. The legal stuff makes absolutely no sense. For example, it's a civil case that has a jury for some reason. Great point. And the more I think about it, the stupider it gets. At risk of rambling too much more, I'll leave it at that. And then he says, I like the line at the end with, with, with the lawyer's assistant saying, lady saying the evil lawyer proved the existence of Jesus Christ. If so, that kind of breaks the need for the rest of the franchise, yes? If it's been proven in court, in universe, the legal precedent has been set, why do the conflicts continue in the sequels, which I did not watch? Uh, props watching the stereotypical bad movie dance party ending they managed to cram in there, really che- the cherry on top. Um, And then Paul Hill offered their thoughts as well. They said, 
I watched the first film as it's on Amazon Prime here. My laptop died halfway through, so maybe that was a sign. As a film, I was surprised by how technically competent it was. A couple of actors were a bit shaky and the music was overbearing at times, but I've certainly seen worse produced films. It was also effective at delivering its message to its target audience, even if it's not going to stand up to much scrutiny from non-hardcore Christians. I'm not Mm, sure if the filmmakers would care about that, as the movie is more saying, well done on being right rather than a tool for conversion. Honestly, I'm a bit jealous of people who genuinely believe this stuff. Religiously, I'm more of a hope theist. I'd, it'd be nice if there was some sort of grand plan, everything made sense at some level, and there was an eternal paradise after death. To me, that just seems highly unlikely. That's, finally, I find that very relatable, that sort of uh, mm-hmm. take on religion. That it's, yeah, I, I, maybe not so much these days, but like I have, you know, in the past been like, God, it'd, it'd be so comforting to believe in this stuff. But Oh, sure. It's, I mean, as um, an ex-Christian, I sometimes miss having like a, a um, you know, a final a reason to live. To, well, no, like, like a final ace card, like an ace in my pocket. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. But like, also, if God is and heaven is real, wouldn't just like, wouldn't you want to die? <laughs> well, according to Reverend Dave, when he's comforting kid dying Kevin Sorbo, yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I guess that's why they'd be like, but you can't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, uh, for my birthday, please vote Fred, which is uh, Dan's account. They said, uh, really wish I had joined a watch along because I find extremely and explicitly Christian films really hilarious, especially when they pretend they're mar- a marginalized group. I was raised Catholic, so I, I was pretty oblivious to the Protestant arm of the propaganda machine. And it's like peeking into a whole other world with pure flicks films and adjacent stories studios they know what a movie looks like but it's executed with the most clunky dialogue plot and and dialogue plot and entirely void of subtlety or nuance i like the um the line they know what a movie looks like (laughs) they look like movies they're they're over 90 minutes they're um the shots there's one really nice cut (laughs) all right so our final big sort of segment for our gods and a dead episode richard is continue the franchise uh where we pitch our continuations of the franchise as far as actual continuations go doesn't look like there's anything on the cards as of yet but hey god works in mysterious ways and you never know what's going to be announced three weeks before it drops in cinemas for a limited three-day run so (laughs) i would expect there probably will be a god's not dead five um and we can only to quote to quote the title of another christian movie i can only imagine what horrors will unfold in that one what's the title <laughs> i can only imagine um, oh, really? what yeah what you emphasized horrors so much i thought that was something to do with it. i was like that's that seems odd for a christian film it's very dark yeah so i i've got two continued franchises okay because i i dibsed one at the start of the week and then didn't use it <laughs> so uh godzilla's not dead uh <laughs> this is one of mine that uh, yeah, so the idea, I, I would like the idea that it's one of the, the classic Godzilla ones where it's a sequel, to, ignores all sequels, sequel to the first one. And many people in the close to 70 years since Godzilla first attacked have come to believe that it actually wasn't, you know, real. It was, it was a parable for uh, the nuclear bomb right. uh, dropped on Hiroshima. But it was, yeah, and the, but then there's, there's a group of people or a person specifically that believes that Godzilla was real and he's still around. And then, of course, you know, plot would happen. Oh, a bit <laughs> of plot. 
uh, my my second idea because I, I initially I was like I want to do an actual like continue the franchise that meets the film on its terms and it's like if I was David A.R. White what what would be an actual idea I could come up with for the fifth film I, I sort of started to do that and then took it in a silly direction so this one's called God's Not Dead Missionary Impossible <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, about uh, Reverend Dave our old mate Dave obviously has to be in it travels to uh, the remote island of North Sentinel Island off the coast of India um mm-hmm. Which is uh, the home to the Senatalese. This is a real island. Uh, the indigenous people and who are compl- like sh- they're essentially shut off from the world. Um, they've got these. They're like protected, and uh, they're these, these primitive people who have never made contact with the outside world. People have gone to them a couple of years ago. A missionary went to try and convert them to Christianity. I th- I, I think it was Christianity. Was it? Um, yeah. Yeah, and and was killed yeah, yeah. <laughs> because uh, and and the law essentially states like yeah yeah <laughs> you're gonna die if you go, if you try to go there and yeah you shouldn't have gone there and um yeah there's uh, yeah so I want to see David A. White travel to the island. However, I would love to see him convert them to Christianity <laughs> <laughs> against all odds, and it'd be like it's based on the real yeah because he, that he would get there and. Um, but I'm so I'm so fascinated by that island that hmm. um, yeah it'd be it'd be so fascinating if we could somehow actually study them up close and hmm. how the the tales of um, you know because the, there've been attempts to contact them like and they've been fishermen or uh, boats have gone close by and they've been attacked um, and it, yeah it'd be interesting to see to know like the the, the, the boogeyman they tell them that their kids about is mm. probably the white man that tries to <laughs> tries to convert them to Christianity. Mm. Very nice. My um continue the franchise is similarly based off you know and and style of both what you did and the movies themselves. It is based off a true story. And I was trying to think of like what would what would actually compel me? What would actually interest me in a God's mm. Not Dead movie? And so I'm pitching you uh God's Not Dead Civil War. And right, what this yeah. movie is about is is much like what's happening with Hillsong Church at the moment. Let's say a significant figure in in global christianity um is outed as being a sex pest or you know it was basically cancelled he wouldn't and and is the and it follows pastor it follows uh reverend dave as he like grapples with the the like sort of the the bastion of christianity that is this this movie's version of hillsong like what happens to a to to church all over the world when when such an important figure is outed as being a terrible person i think that would be legitimately very interesting i think that's a way where you can actually kind of get away with the navel gazing that god's not dead is famous for because it is about looking in and not Mm. looking out which is what all the other movies are um so yeah that's what i want to see i want to see god's not dead civil war where a pastor a famous pastor is cancelled for sex crimes (laughs) nice and that is our episode i think of god's not dead the only thing we have left to do now richard is rank that franchise yay so this, this might be contentious this might be contentious i'm going to head on over to uh, letterbox.com and we have a list on our letterbox where we um 
where we rank every franchise we've ever ranked, we've ever watched. Um, and we're going to presumably, I'm hoping we can at least agree um, that we'll be ranking which half of the <laughs> in the lower half of the um, of the uh, of the ranking. I I'll concede. Like it's maybe not as much of a slam dunk of a gold star franchise as I maybe initially thought, which is what when we um when we each each movie is as good as each other. But mm. here's here's what I'm thinking for God's Not Dead's placement, right? Our bottom three films are the Medea films. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, what well, yeah, sorry, represented by films. Our, our bottom three franchises are Diary of a Mad Black Woman, so the so the Medea films, The Scorpion King, and Dungeons and Dragons. I think this is worse. I think this is maybe not as bad as Dungeons and Dragons, but I think Thank it's you. worse than Scorpion King and Medea. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm glad we're with each other on Dungeons and Dragons because I thought I was going to have to fight you to keep it out of the last spot. Um, <laughs> not because I don't think it should deserve the last spot, but because I think Dungeons and Dragons is so much worse than this. Um, with Scorpion King, at least you have that like one of them's a real film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and with Diary uh, with um, Medea, you have Medea's witness protection. Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> very, like interesting moments, I think. Whereas and Land is- Before Time, the first one, at least a lot of people like. But yeah, I think yeah, I think second to last is a. Is a Where is fair Land Before Time it. on our ranking? It's third to last. Oh, have I, is my screen all funny? <laughs> uh, the the last four: are Medea, Land Before Time, Scorpion yeah. King, Dungeons Sorry, and Dragons. Yeah. So. yeah. Um. Cool. So we're gonna place it at one forty nine out of one fifty. So this is actually the one hundred fiftieth franchise mm. we've watched, which I wasn't yeah, aware of. Ranked, yeah. Um. And we what we're gonna do now is is over on Patreon. Um. Our patrons have been suggesting and voting on. Uh, which franchise we're going to be doing next. And it sounds like, based on what I've heard most recently, like we're going to be going from the second worst franchise we've ever watched to maybe the third worst franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that true? uh yes yeah, so this is this has been a very contentious poll um one i've got a lot of comments and we had like as early as uh, you know as recent as a couple of hours ago we had like a seven-way tie so mm. now i need to just carefully go through and double check mm. well while um, you're doing yeah. that i will just let people know that if you enjoyed this episode of film franchise four nights on the cop option podcast it is actually very easy to support us um and you can do that either by following us on instagram or twitter at cold popsha um or you can jump in our discord where a lot of all of our planning and and all our community live um or if you want to throw some financial support our way you can head over to patreon.com slash cold popsha where you can do things like suggest and vote on franchises we cover or you get exclusive uh podcasts over there all sorts of yummy yummy stuff so head on over there if you want or you can email us at media at gmail.com um, but until next time richard what is our next franchise uh, so our next franchise is a trilogy um and it is the famously possibly the worst film franchise ever made which i doubt 
God's Not Dead or Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the Fred franchise, which, uh, yeah, it's the, the lowest rated uh, film franchise or trilogy, at least, on Letterboxd, uh, consisting of Fred the movie, Fred 2, Night of the Living Fred, and Fred 3, Camp Fred, with this, this is Camp Fred that it was. Uh, this is one that's been suggested many, many times, and there's been a lot of campaigns mm. uh, fought valiantly. Um, mostly by Dan, who we're recording this on his birthday. So there you go, Dan. Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, and um, I believe Fred 3, Camp Fred, will yes. be our 666th film that we've watched for the podcast, which is very fun in a which way. Which if we'd known we were approaching, we would have made Gods Not Dead. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the post credit scene at the end of this episode after the music stops. But other than that, thank you for listening. Let us know your thoughts on God's Not Dead. Or is he? Is yeah, he surely let, alive? Let us know if you think God is dead or not. All righty. Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more to us over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it this week? Uh, this question comes to us from Ian Sterner, who writes, mm. with films sometimes taking longer to release in New Zealand than other countries, has there ever been a film or do you think there ever could be a film that you couldn't bear to wait for and would travel to another country to see if so what film was it or what would it hypothetically be um mm. this is uh this is a really interesting question it's there i, I remember ron strang of the uh film of the cop option family mm-hmm. traveled to melbourne i believe to see interstellar because it like it opened at night earlier and it was playing an imax there and we only have one imax cinema in new zealand it's not actually technically an imax cinema it's just got a real big fucking screen that's real loud and i remember before this before the you know so i hadn't seen the movie yet and he posted his review was something along the lines of like wow need to take some time to process it or something like that and it was like Oh, he didn't like it. <laughs> um, and then I didn't like it either. But I, th- I think he he does actually like it. And then actually, funnily enough, I watched Interstellar, didn't like it. And then when I was, I went to Melbourne several years later for a holiday and they happened to be playing Interstellar on that same IMAX. And I thought, oh, I'll go again and see it in the best possible way. Um, and I was like, ah, there's there's a lot of stuff in this that I liked that I'd forgotten wasn't there because I hated the rest of it so much. Anyway, the... The answer to the question, I, I think these days with like uh, films going to to streaming a lot quicker, and I've I've never been like a massive person in terms of like, you know, I need to see this in IMAX or like on the biggest screen possible. Um, but I do my my main motivation for going to the cinema over watching a film at home is knowing that I'll be forced to pay more attention to it. Yeah, I exactly. think there is things like if I was long overdue for a holiday. And I was thinking about going to Melbourne or wherever, and they were, and Australia was getting a film before us. I would probably safely time it, but it would be more about I would want to see it in IMAX just because it's a fun experience mm. every now and then. But it's not something that I would specifically travel to a country for. Um, but it's I I would not super coincidentally <laughs> be in the country at the same time if it you know fortune favored the bold for mm. that 
Yeah, I, I can't imagine, like, some of the best films I've ever seen have been on my TV with no mm. speakers, you know, like bad speakers. With like, no speakers? Like, well, no, I technically, the speakers yeah. in the TV, I don't have yeah. external speakers is what I mean. Um, and so, like, I don't think there would be a movie I would go for the sole reason overseas to see. But when COVID first started happening, you mm. and I and Rowan made what we knew at the time were probably doomed plans to go mm. see Tenet in IMAX in Melbourne. Um, and we mm. bought really cheap flights, um, knowing we probably wouldn't be able yeah, to it go. Yeah, it was, it was um, uh, return flights were free. Yeah. And because, so, because this is when COVID wasn't really a threat and they were like, hey, flights are cheap. <laughs> yeah. So in that sense, yeah, like I would have gone, but it wouldn't have even been to the premiere, so I probably would have already seen it. Um, and it's more like I I wouldn't go overseas just because a a movie was playing over there. But mm. if people wanted to go overseas, and one of the things we would do is mm. watch a movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was overseas. I was in Thailand when The Force Awakens came out, and it was very much like we have to factor going the night it comes out into our plans. Mm. Um. And um, but then yeah, I mean, like if Endgame didn't come out here for another two weeks after the states, I you know might be looking at like that would I would say Endgame would be probably the closest thing in terms of a movie that I had to see that day. Sure. Nice. 